introduxit vos domus in terram fluentem lac et mer. Alleluia. The Lord hath brought you into a land flowing with milk and honey. Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We have already entered into what tradition calls the Pentecost. Pentecost, of course, means a period of 50 days. And the Pentecost began yesterday, and these 50 days of Pascha, of Easter, will culminate in the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the 50th day that we are accustomed to call Pentecost. But in fact, all of Paschal Tide is the Pentecost. And the first week of the Pentecost, the octave of Easter, is of an amazing richness in terms of the content of each day's Mass. And this because in the ancient practice of the Church of Rome, the newly baptized the neophytes who would have emerged from the bath of baptism uh, during the great Paschal Vigil, dripping wet, and then they would have been sealed with uh, the sign of the gift of the Holy Ghost, and then for the first time they would have received the adorable mysteries of our Lord's sacred body and precious blood. Just uh, a little uh, aside, it was the custom in some places for the neophytes immediately after receiving Holy Communion to step to one side where they would have been offered milk and honey. And this for the purification of the mouth after receiving the body and blood of Christ. Of course, this was not an ordinary uh, ablution, uh, a purification of the mouth, but one that was very rich in significance. The church's way of saying, now you have crossed over into the promised land of milk and honey. And so you see the significance of the intro of today's Mass. When the neophytes would have heard the Schola Cantorum, the group of singers, singing today's intro, their faces would have been wreathed in smiles. Yes, of course, we just tasted the milk and honey. The intro it was, the Lord hath brought you into a land, <coughs> you neophytes, who were far from God, have now been brought close into a land flowing with milk and honey. Milk, we will see on Sunday next, the milk is the word of God. The milk is 
the teaching of Mother Church. Uh, the mill is the teaching of the apostles and their successors down through the ages. We cannot live the Christian life without this sustenance of the Word of God, and not the Word of God as Protestants take it, that is to say, each man for himself, but the Word of God as dispensed by the Church day after day in the sacred liturgy and in the tradition, the passing on of the teaching of the Apostles. And so we had in the intro it, the Lord hath brought you into a land flowing with milk and honey. What characterizes the Christian life is the abundance of God's gifts flowing. God does nothing, nothing in half measures. God does nothing in a miserly, calculated way. All that God does bears the mark of munificence, of not only abundance, but superabundance. The Lord hath brought you into a land flowing with milk and honey, that the law of the Lord may be ever in your mouth. Et ut lex domini semper sit in ore vestro. Now this law of the Lord in the mouth refers to the uh, practice of pious Jews uh, to meditate, which doesn't mean something you do up here, but uh, for the ancients to meditate meant to repeat, uh, to repeat the word of God over and over so as to extract from it all its sweetness and all its nourishing qualities. And then, by dint of repetition, the Word of God passed from the mouth into the heart. But this has yet another meaning, because our Lord tells us that he is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. He who is the Word. And we are then to understand this introit as saying that the Word of the Lord may be ever in your mouth. But the Word became flesh, and the Word made flesh, crucified and risen, gives himself to us in the most holy sacrament of the altar. So that this introit has a Eucharistic resonance. So that not just the law of the Lord, but the Lord himself. The Lord giving himself to you in the sacrament of his body and blood may be ever in your mouth. O oh, taste and see the sweetness of the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia. This is, then, an invitation to Holy Communion and to frequent Holy Communion. The sweetness of the body of Christ, St. Thomas speaks of a certain 
mysterious sweetness in the reception of Holy Communion. And this then corresponds to the honey, just as the Word of God corresponds to the milk in today's introit. Um, all of this in just the intro of the Mass, much more could be said. It was the custom for the newly baptized, the neophytes, in their bright white robes to attend Mass every day. Today we have a very queer notion that after Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Easter Sunday, it's over. That's not the traditional Catholic way. The traditional Catholic way is it's not over, it's only just begun. We have a whole week of unmitigated feasting. In Catholic countries, uh, where the law reflected uh, the liturgical year, at least the Monday and Tuesday of Easter were kept as holidays, days free from all work, and it was the custom for the newly baptized uh, to attend Holy Mass each day to continue their instruction. They would have been instructed all through Lent, and the instruction grew in intensity and in profundity. But after Easter, the instruction continued. And if you look at the Masses for this week, every day's Mass is an ongoing initiation into the full Catholic life. And that's why we have to look very carefully at each of the parts of the Masses this week. Now, uh, these Masses are assigned to certain Roman churches. And I've often said uh, to uh, my sons and to our visitors that we have to attend to the designation of the stational church, because very often the whole mass is colored by the stational church that is always indicated in your missal directly under the, uh, the day. So you'll see in your missal Easter Monday, station at St. Peter's. That's the key phrase, which means, as always, that we're invited to make a kind of spiritual pilgrimage today to St. Peter's. And in fact, it is St. Peter who plays the principal role in today's Mass. The uh, epistle is wholly dedicated to Peter's preaching in such wise that today on Easter Monday the Prince of the Apostles stands in the midst of the church and teaches with the authority given him by Jesus Christ. Reread the epistle and meditate the epistle. It gives you in a kind of very condensed way, uh, the whole creed, uh, everything that is essential to our Catholic faith. And what is not said explicitly in today's epistle can be drawn out of it. It is all present implicitly. You will note that St. Peter in his preaching describes our Lord as going about doing good and healing 
et sanando and healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And this uh, healing work of our Lord continues in the church, through the apostles, and through their successors, and there is an allusion to this healing work in the collect of today's Mass, in which we prayed, O God, who in the Paschal Solemnity hast bestowed thy healing grace on the world. Thy healing grace on the world. This is such a comforting way of understanding all that we have celebrated over the past three days. The bitter passion, the death, the piercing of our Lord's heart, his burial, his silent sleep of death in the tomb, his glorious resurrection, all of these mysteries for our healing. And so St. Peter uh, preaches this and going to the gospel which recounts the experience of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus and their encounter with the risen Lord uh, Peter again uh, appears in the gospel because after their experience of the risen Jesus who gives them this extraordinary gift on the road to Emmaus. He opens to them all the scriptures that they might discover in the law and in the prophets and in the Psalms the beauty of his countenance shining through every page. This was the gift of the risen Lord to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. The the ability to see shining through the page of the, the, all that was given uh, in the Pentateuch and to the prophets and to the Psalms to discover that it is all luminous with uh, the face of Christ. And as if this gift were not enough, um, they were going into uh, a, an inn uh, for the night because it was growing dark and uh, our Lord did something which is very very touching here he he made as if he intended to go on and he did this deliberately so as to draw from their hearts a prayer that expresses the yearning, uh, the deep yearning of every disciple uh, to remain in the presence of our Lord. And so they said, stay with us, mane nobiscum. This, this is what we pray in every Mass, the first part of the Mass, the Mass of the Catechumens, opens to us the scriptures. So it's exactly what happened to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. 
but the first part of the Mass opens to us the Scriptures in such wise that we are compelled to say from the depths of our hearts, stay with us, Lord. And our Lord in response, in the second part of the Mass, stays with us. When bread becomes this adorable body, and when the wine mixed with a drop of water in the chalice becomes his precious blood. So this stay with us is, is the prayer of every believing soul in every Mass at the end of the Mass of the Catechumens. And you know what happened. He went to table with them and he carried out the movements, actions that were characteristic of him. He took bread and blessed and broke and gave to them. We have here all of the essential actions of the Mass. At the offertory of the Mass, bread is taken. It is placed on the corporal on the altar, set apart. Not only is the bread taken, it is blessed. This, of course, refers to our Lord's consecratory prayer, and indeed today to the canon of the Mass, and broke to the preparation of the body of Christ for distribution to the faithful, and gave to them the distribution of Holy Communion. So you have here all of the actions of the Mass. And after all of this, their hearts were, were burning within them. And so they went back to Jerusalem. And this is where Peter appears again. Uh, they went back and they recounted everything that happened. And those that were in Jerusalem said, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon. And it's this appearing to Simon that settles the question. Peter is the primary witness. If Peter says it, it is so. And so Peter then uh, appears. And uh, the Mass then goes on. And in the communion, as is often the case, we're given a snippet, a snippet of the Gospel, repeated, a fragment. And what is it? The Lord is risen and hath appeared to Peter. Listen for that when the brothers sing the communion antiphon. Uh, my goodness, I could talk until 12 o'clock about this Mass. It's so rich. So let this suffice for today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.